All right, so this is our third week in our new series, Lies That Christians Believe. So these are things that are commonly said among Christians and church groups, but they're not true. And some of the things we've gone over so far is God won't give me more than I can handle, and God gained another angel. Um, so the God gained another angel one was really fun because we don't become angels. We just don't. So um, anyway, this week we will look at the idea of God just wants me to be happy. And before I jump into it, a quick disclaimer. I am not saying that God is anti-happy at all. I'm not saying that God wants you to be miserable because that's also not true. Um, but what I am saying is that usually when this phrase is used, it is used as a justification for sin. God just wants me to be happy, so fill in the blank is okay. Alistair McGrath states, this statement is almost always an excuse people give for ignoring what scripture has to say about their particular breach of ethics. So whenever this is used to justify sin, what that person is actually saying is their happiness is above scripture, it's above God, and thus in a way, they're making themselves, or their pursuit of happiness in this case, their God. They have put so much weight on their own happiness that it has become an idol in their lives. And they use this phrase to say, surely God is okay with it because it makes me happy. Even though, in many cases, the Bible clearly says otherwise whenever they're doing something like this. So, as Christians, we have to ask ourselves, is our happiness God's main priority for our lives? And the short answer is a resounding no. But happiness is an emotion, and it's usually based on what's happening around us, which makes it extremely circumstantial. Meaning that our happiness depends directly on what's going on in our lives. And if we like what's going on, we'll be happy. If we don't like what's going on, we won't be happy. We'll be sad, angry, confused, all of the above. And so happiness is almost always self-centered. As the phrase goes, always looking out for number one. When we are pursuing our happiness, we are almost always pursuing what we want. And if we're pursuing what we want and our sinful, our sinful selves, we're not pursuing what God wants. We just can't be going both directions at the same time. We cannot be pursuing God and pursuing sinful desires at the exact same time. We just can't. So, in other words, we get so caught up chasing all this stuff and the accomplishments of this world that we can miss out on God completely in the process of it all. And not only is this harmful to our spiritual lives because we miss out on a relationship with God, which is like the most important part, but also it's exhausting. Happiness that comes from stuff and achievements is temporary, which always leaves us chasing the next thing that'll make us happy. I don't know if y'all have ever experienced that, but you've been working so hard to get something, to do something, and you finally do it, or you finally get that thing, and then it's just like, Okay, that, that was cool. I did it, yay. And then you're just like, okay, what's next? Got to train even harder, got to work even harder, whatever it is. There's always something more that comes after it. And if it's an award, how many are going to be enough? If it's stuff, how much stuff is enough? If it's fame, how famous do you have to be? If it's money, how much money do you have to have? When talking about how much money was enough, one of the richest men in the world at the time said one dollar more. He always wanted one dollar more than he currently had. It was never enough for him, despite how much he had. And again, this is one of the richest men in the world. 
but he always needed more. He was always pursuing that. He was always chasing after that. It was never enough. And we will always want more and more, which is why God gave us something better than happiness. Three little letters, joy. Whenever, whenever talking about happiness and joy, there is always one essential thing that we must understand as Christians. Joy does not equal happiness. They are fundamentally different. And unfortunately, these things are confused or equated all the time in the Christian life. And they're fundamentally different, so it doesn't work when we do that. Alistair McGrath's definition of joy is that settled state of contentment, confidence, and hope that only comes from him, um, meaning God. And while happiness is an emotion, it's influenced by circumstances, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I know all of you are doing the song in your heads right now, and some of you are actually doing it. Um, I was definitely going through the song in my head a few times whenever I was writing this, so yeah. Um, all right, um, so for those that have not grown up in the church or are new to the, to the faith, the fruit of the Spirit, as we commonly call it, is gifts from God and the Christian life. And as we grow and mature in our faith and Christ transforms our lives, we will begin to live these things out. Um, so we will begin to be more loving to people because Christ has shown love to us. We will begin to be more joyful because Christ has given us that joy, um, just as a few examples. And so again, do not confuse joy here um, listed in the fruit of the Spirit with happiness. So if we confuse happiness with joy, what this verse will say is God will always give us happiness. Which for any of you who have been around for any point of time, is that true? Are you always happy? No, no, you're not. Um, and also, do not confuse joy with positivity or bubbly personality. It's not saying here that 24-7, we have to be rocking around and be like, hi, my name is Caleb, how are you? We don't have to do that. We can. But that's not what it's talking about here. We don't have to be overly op optimistic. So, unfortunately, many people confuse this and think that they do have to be walk. Okay, there she is. Okay. Um, unfortunately, many people confuse this and think that they have to walk around kind of like her. If you've never seen that movie, um, that is Joy from Inside Out, and she is extremely optimistic, extremely bubbly. And throughout the movie, any time that, that something went even slightly not how she wanted it, she would just suddenly put the spin on it and be like, okay, that didn't work out, but we can do this instead. She always tried to find the positive in whatever was going on, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but from what we're talking about here, that's the world's definition of happiness, is that you always have to be exactly like her. And if the world tells you if you're not, something's wrong. But that's not what joy is. And much like in the movie, if our version of joy is like her, we eventually re reach this breaking point where just so much stuff goes wrong that you can't fake it anymore. She eventually reached this point where she just couldn't handle it. And then she started realizing it was okay. But real biblical joy is not like the movie. It's not dependent on circumstances, but rather the person of Jesus. Throughout the Bible, joy the word joy appears at least 88 times, depending on your translation. And 50-something of those are in the New Testament, and the vast majority of them are referring to um, 
either someone hearing the gospel, an analogy of the gospel, someone talking to Jesus. They're all centered around Jesus. And so again, joy is not the same as happiness. It's not circumstantial. But why is that? Because it's built on the person of Jesus and his work on the cross. I can have the worst day, the worst week, and the worst year ever. But I can look to Jesus as my Lord and Savior through the midst of that all, through the midst of all that, knowing that he is still good, he is still God, and he is still with me through it all. And it's not that circumstances don't matter. Sometimes life can be really rough. It can. But it's that God is there with us through all of it, through the thick, through the thin, through the the good, through the bad. He is always there. And while circumstances and feelings may change, Jesus never will. Matthew 28, 20 tells us, I am with you always till the end of the age. And Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So if joy is built upon Jesus and is given to us by the Holy Spirit and God will never leave us, then as Christians, we can always have joy because we always have God. Unlike our feelings, it doesn't change. It continues on. We always have him. He will never leave us or forsake us. And the good times, we can have joy. And the bad times, we can have joy. When everything's going wrong, we can have joy. And joy is based on a walk with God. And if we are not with God, we won't have his joy. It's that simple. Or any other fruit of the Spirit, for that matter. In John 15, 5, Jesus describes this relationship as a branch on a vine. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch, and he withers. They gather them, throw them in a fire, and they are burned. So in this analogy, we are the branch, Jesus is the vine. Think about it. If a branch is not connected to a tree, what does it do? Yeah, it dies, it withers, it no longer exists. Um, So what good is it? It's not good for anything. Same with our Christian lives. If we are not directly connected to God always, we're going to be like a branch sitting in the middle of a parking lot We're not going to bear that fruit. It's been cut off from its source of life. It can no longer do anything but just rot. And one of the best parts is, again, I sound like I'm in impact camp. When we abide in him, he says that he will also abide in us, which is the best news of all. Because God continually gives his followers the very best himself. I definitely mistyped that, but that is okay. Um, But that's a quote from Gary. Um, And the thing about Jesus being our source of joy is it has to be the real Jesus. How many of y'all like Plato? I love Plato. So did y'all like mixing the colors together when y'all were kids? Okay, good, good. Um, Because that is just wrong. You should not do that. But Plato is just so much fun because you can shape and mold it into whatever you want. Do what? Okay. All right. It's just so much fun because you can shape and mold it into whatever you want. And if you have the right tools, you can make some pretty intricate designs. Um, Unfortunately, many people have made a Play-Doh Jesus. 
this is how they can get away with things, say, saying things such as, I believe in Jesus, but not in the Bible. I have respect for Jesus, but I don't like what the Bible says. They've taken this, this Plato Jesus, and they've formed it into whatever they think Jesus should be like. That way it perfectly matches their worldview. And because Jesus now perfectly matches their worldview of whatever they want, they can say things like, God just wants me to be happy. He would want me to do whatever I want, even if it clearly says otherwise in the Bible. So they form this Jesus into whatever they want, and then if it becomes slightly inconvenient for them, they smash it up and do it again. But the problem is, real joy only comes from the real Jesus. Even if you've tricked yourself into thinking that you have this relationship with this fake Jesus, it doesn't make him any more real if it's not the Jesus of the Bible. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We cannot separate Jesus from his commandments. They are one and the same thing. So the Jesus, uh, this Plato Jesus that they've made, it's not actually Jesus. And I definitely skipped over some of my stuff. Oops. Um, so yeah, the problem is that this fake Jesus can't bring you real freedom or real joy. And John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. We have to have Jesus. We have to be the branch that's connected to the tree. And it has to actually be Jesus. It can't be some pale imitation of him because that does not bring real joy. That does not provide us with the fruit of the Spirit that only God can do. So lastly, joy is a command in Scripture. John Piper says, Joy is an act of obedience. We are commanded to rejoice in God. If obedience is doing what God commands, then joy is not merely a spinoff of obedience. It is obedience. The Bible tells us over and over again to pursue joy. And again, in Philippians 4.4, 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Notice that he's not saying here, Rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Rejoice in the Lord when times are good. What does he say? Always. And for those of us that need a reminder, he even says it again. Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Because we always have God. We can always rejoice in God. And another quote from Pastor Gary. You can't command an emotion, but you can command an act of obedience. We might not be able to easily control our circumstances, but we can control how we act, react to them. Because of the work in the Holy Spirit of of the, in the lives of believers, we can choose to rejoice even in the hardest of times. We can still choose to praise God because He is still good and He is still God. And He's still our Lord and Savior. We can still choose to praise Him. And when you really begin to think about it, Joy and rejoicing is such an act of grace from God. One of the things we talked about in the first week is that we often do get more than we can handle. It often is overwhelming for us. And when we rejoice in God and what he has done for us, we are taking our eyes off of the things around us, the things that might hurt so bad, and pointing them to our Lord and Savior. 
we get to take off our eyes off of this and point it at the perfectness that is God. And we get to rejoice in him, and we get to tell him how marvelous he is, despite what might be going on around us. So when those moments are too overwhelming for you to handle, and trust me, they will come, I invite you, take a moment to pause and look to God. So if you are sick and tired of being sick and tired from the pursuit of happiness, rest in the joy of Jesus. So if you haven't done that today, if you need to take a moment, take a moment, rejoice in him, tell him how awesome he is. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come here. And I pray that regardless of our circumstances and lives and in our lives, that we will continue to look to you, that we will continue to praise you and rejoice in your name. In Jesus' name.